Welcome to the Valley View Podcast. My name is Caleb Chamberlain, and I'm the pastor here at Valley View Church. We are so grateful that you are joining our church family as we pursue the Lord's heart and His plan for all of us. It is our desire to grow, and we are excited that you get to join us in this adventure. So grab your Bible and prepare your heart to seek God's face and all that He has in store. When you're reading along, ring along with me because I won't have some of the passages in there. It's mainly in the third point. So I just want to let you know, you've been warned. Um, it's a big chunk, but I want us to know who it is that we're working through. It's not about our power, right? It's about the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, we talked about spiritual gifts last week. We talked about the importance of the gifts. We talked about it's the purpose of the gifts are to express our love for God and for one another. You good? You guys... All right, just want to make sure everyone's good. All right. You're good. <laughs> We're here to express, like, we want to use them to express our love for God and for one another. It's like, that's built out of the first and second commandment, right? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to build one another up. It says to build one another, to spur one another on, to encourage one another. It's for building up. It's to give God the glory because God gets the glory when he does the things that he does through us. Because if it was getting the glory because we were so strong, then he doesn't get the glory. Case in point, look at Samson. He gave got him the strength, but as soon as his hair was cut, that has nothing to do with the muscles, right? I'm just, just double-checking anatomy, body. It does nothing to do with hair. But he was, he's like, here's the thing. I am anointing you with extra power of strength. I'm giving you this. So that is the whole point. It's about God getting the glory. We want to get... Give God the glory through our weakened, weakened, broken vessels or our weak pots. We're so excited about giving him the glory. This is our desire. And I love this because we, we talked about, oops, sorry, I'm scooping. Well, that was the, yeah, there's the passage. 22, 37 through 40. This is the greatest commandment. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's a, that's a lot of power in those two commandments. You guys mentioned last week, um, when our gifts unite, there is an increase in God's movement. And I read that in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with him. Or two plus two equals five. I love that. God does more when we gather together. Matthew 18, 19, he says, again, I say to you, if two or you, two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. He does so much greater when we get together, when we're in uni- united in love and prayer. And when we look at the disciples, this is another point. You, there were the example of power, the power of being united in the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 2, 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. But this message was preached through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by persuasion of speech. It was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I think this was the other thing. Uh, without, I think, Miranda, you mentioned this. Without every part at work, we won't function well. But love is the oil. I think that was what Barb added. On the contrary, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 22-27, on the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker or undis- indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are un- unpresentable are, pre- are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, 
so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Our goal, our gifts, it's our desire to all find our part in this whole wonderful body. Like we're, the, we joked about it. We're like, we're not, we're not the head. None of us are the head. That's only Jesus. That's his, that's his authority right there. I said, I, I want to be the finger, right? Or I could be whatever God asks me to be. Not the middle finger, but we want to be the finger. We want to be the hands and feet of Christ. We want to be all parts of the body, finding our function, whether it's, whether it's the bowels, whether it's, it's some of the things that we're not very, we don't flatter very well, but we love when they function well, because when they don't, it's not good. We want our bodies to function well. Our gifts and the way we walk in them all stems from our desire to walk in that. First and second commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But where do these gifts come from? We talked about this before, and I, don't, I, don't, I just want to take one any of us taking or walking away without understanding where everything comes from. That every good and perfect gift, it says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from our generous Father in heaven. And all of this flows in the power of the Holy Spirit. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He doesn't shift or change. He doesn't change from Old Testament to New Testament. He is the same generous God that gives the manna for the day. He gives everything we need when we ask him. Man. This all comes from our Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is the download, the deposit, the seal that we've been all given. We've been all have access to. I'm not saying we all have it because I don't want to take for granted that some of us are assuming we have it just because we show up to church. We want the seal of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit is the promise deposit or seal. Now, Holy Spirit isn't an option, but a promise. A seal is a big thing. A seal is very, very important. Back in the day, seals were so important. Like it was authority. It was ownership. It was stewardship. You, if you gave, we were just listening to Ventures and Odyssey. It's so funny how haphazard, uh, we were talking about Esther and it was the story of Esther and King Xerxes is giving his seal to do what this, that, and the other. Now they're kind of doing it in a half, like a, a jokey manner with, if you've ever listened to Ventures and Odyssey, like, He's like giving a seal to do some crazy things. Like he gave a seal to, and he made this big command that his wife was banished because she basically insulted him a little bit. I mean, and then he also gave a seal away to have the Jewish culture destroyed. Seals are a big deal. They give a lot of authority. It is a seal that we've been given. It's necessary. I mean, again, I know this is a church that we talk about charismatic. We're Holy Spirit filled. We're, we talk about these things, but I don't want us to take for granted that all of us are full, uh, that all of us are operating it, that all of us are trusting it. Because I come from a church that I never knew about Holy Spirit for the longest time. I remember they mentioned him, but I'm like, who is this guy? I don't understand. Is he like the weird appendage of God. I'm like, I don't understand him. No one would talk about him and therefore no one wanted to talk about him. So it was just, we never talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We never addressed that he was important, that he was needed, that he is to be operated in. I mean, this is our heart's cry. It's, we don't say, Holy Spirit, we need you to qualify us. 
We are singing from the Song of Songs, 8-6. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. That's where we come from. We love God, therefore we love and we desire Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is something, someone we long for. We cry out for God to put a seal on our hearts. This is loving the Lord our God. We come into this relationship. We're like, okay, it's natural, right? We love God. We want a relationship with him. And he's like, yes, here's my seal. Here's my ring. It matters. It is my promise. In Acts 1, 4, 8, this is all where it comes from. On one occasion, I mean, we've talked about Holy Spirit. We've talked about this being surrounded by the Holy Spirit. But in this instance, he's talking about the promise. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with what? Water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're all so excited. Like, oh, this is it. This is, he's like, no, no. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's giving us authority. So we're asking God, we, it's, it's out of the desire. It's not because we're beggars or it's because we are worried we're not qualified. It's not like us begging for this ring to, to prove that we're married. It's like, no, I want I want a relationship with you. So therefore, put the ring on. Like, this is our relationship. He wants, and he wants to give us this ring. He wants to give us the seal. He wants us to have, have Holy Spirit. Why? Why does he want it? Because is he, is it because he's like, you know, I, I'm just kind of, I want to like make sure that, you know, I love you. It's like, no, he's like, I am good. I'm a good father. Just like it says in Luke eleven thirteen. if you then these parents, these fathers, you know, are, you know, you do the best that you can. You try, you know, you try not to give your kids snakes unless they, I mean, unless it's something they asked for. Like, like, or, you know, like you wouldn't give them something they didn't ask for. You wouldn't give them a stone instead of bread. You would give them, even though you're evil. Praise God. Even though we're evil, know how to good give good, give good gifts to your children. Yeah, I know. <laughs> give good gifts. There we go. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's a good father. He knows what's best. He doesn't have a presumptuous idea where he's way off the mark. Like, you know, I could be way off the mark with my kids thinking, oh, you want this. I could be misinterpreting what you're saying because you can't talk very well right now. Like I could be mishearing you. But he hears us perfectly. He knows us perfectly. He sees our future. He's Alpha and Omega. He's not surprised by where we went off on this deep end of being an idiot in our lives, our teenage years, or our college years, or whatever. He's like, I'm not surprised. I know where you are. I I know what you need. So he gives us the best. He knows what's best. He, when we seek his ways and long to be in relationship, he gives us his sealed promise. So Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the ones he loves. I want to pause there for a second. Think about the, think about the, the prodigal son. What did he put on the son when he came back? He put a ring on. There's importance to the ring. It's importance to that seal. He gave him back authority. He's like, here, there's no pause. There's no qualifying. It's like, I'm like, I'm going to withhold Holy Spirit from you for a little while. And like, he's like, no, I desire. When you turn to repentance, I want to give you the fullness of who I am right now. I want it. We put the shame on ourselves. It's us that holds ourselves back from his authority. Man, Lord, break off shame in Jesus' name. In him, we have redemption through his blood, through the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He knew. He lavished on us anyway. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Man, and in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. He works it all out for his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ. You also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and now here's the thing, when you believed... You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Thank you, God. Thank you for Holy Spirit. Like I tell you what, I've never experienced Holy Spirit in the way until like a few years ago. It was just such a powerful thing. I didn't understand that Holy Spirit was something to engage with, to ask. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for Holy Spirit. It's your promise. It's your seal. And this is the wonderful thing. Now we have access. We know we are his. We are his chosen possession. So Holy Spirit gives us direct access to wisdom and understanding from God. Man, he enlightens our eyes. He helps us to see. How many times do you find yourself in the dark? Clueless. I got no clue. I'm done. I feel dumb. How do you feel? Has that often? I feel that a lot more often lately. I feel like as I get older, the more things happen, I'm like, I really, I feel even stupider than I ever thought I would be. I thought I'd grown wisdom. Lord, where's my wisdom? I don't know. That's hiding in these blonde hairs. I don't know. It was a gray hair joke. Okay. I need more wisdom, Lord, and he, Lord, he'll provide it. But that's the thing. It's that he's, he's like, acknowledge the fact that we are in the dark with our own eyes. We don't understand. We don't see the things that he sees. And we wrestle with our inability to know what to do. I think that's so good. But God gives us the spirit of truth. He gives us the spirit of truth. In John 4, 14, 21 through 29 
It says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, this is important, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. This is the qualifier. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And this is what's beautiful. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you a few things. No, oh, oh, sorry. All things, all things will remind you of everything I've said to you. Yes. Praise God, because we need that. Man. Man, peace I leave you. Leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives I don't give and I hold back. I don't give in half-heartedness. I don't give and then ask for interest. I give not as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to my father. For the father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Man. Do not be afraid. Our advocate, the Holy Spirit, he, we have all that access. How often do we ask for access to the Holy Spirit? Like engage with that, like verbally say that out loud. And we take these things. He's like, no, here's the reason why. Like, cause like, it's like having a soup, a superpower, but not using it. It'd be kind of dumb, wouldn't it? <laughs> like if you think Green Lantern, like why would Green Lantern keep his ring off? and work and operate in his flesh if he has the stinking ring to put on to do all things with his imagination. Okay, I'm just thinking that ridiculous format, okay? That's where I come from, superheroes. But the same goes for us. How often do we go, like, so long without asking him once for anything? Like, man, what in the world? We are so unimaginative. We're like, oh, I don't know if, if hopefully God may be. And we talk in this little vein and kind of sad language like we don't trust him yet like if you ever like if you okay so if you asked your dad something like confidently like you asked someone or you went to the bank you're like okay you go to the bank you ask for money you know the money's in the bank you know you have a million dollars would you go and say i don't know if you if you feel like it would you please you know give me a million dollars would they go, what, what are you asking for? Are you, are, are you, aren't you on this bank account? Don't you have the deposit slip? Don't you have authority? Write it. Take it. You don't go in there with unconfidence. You go in there like you actually are on that account. You go in with authority. You say, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom at all times. I am dumb without you. I need you. I am asking you. You're faithful to give it. That million dollars is mine. We walk in that authority. 
That's what we need to ask for. We need to trust that Holy Spirit. Our advocate knows all things and will remind us at all times the words of God that we need. Say, God, give me words. And sometimes, yeah, I'm really stupid about my Bible. I sometimes do the Google. I look up for a verse search thing. I sometimes struggle remembering where things are. That's okay. But God gives me little words. He gives me phrases. He's like, and as you read the word more, he reminds you of phrases. He brings it to mind. It's the whole point. So don't disqualify yourself if you find yourself in my boat where I struggle with that sometimes. But the Lord gives me phrases. He gives me words and direction. And this is the thing. I keep asking. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I want to know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, in his incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparable to what? To everything. There's no way you could even equate to the power that he has given us. The power is the same as the mighty strength. I think there's some typo there. (laughs) I will look this up later. You need to look this up later. But it is this incomparable great power for us who believe. Yes, Lisa. Oh, did I not give it to you? I'll give it to you again if you missed it. You might. That you're good. Holy Spirit gives us direct access to wisdom and understanding from God. Man, you're good. And so, <laughs> hey, you know you try. That's it. <laughs> It's fun. It's like a game. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or wisdom, human wisdom. This is what's great about all of us. Who finds ourselves all familiar with that first verse right there? I can't come to you with eloquence, all right? Or human wisdom. I don't got it. As I proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved, and this is what I love about Paul, because we know Paul's smart right? We know he's savvy. We know he's very, he could be cunning. He's very, I mean, he was very, very savvy, but he did this. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power. This is what we need. So that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Man, if you ever need to look at the wisdom of this age coming to nothing, just look no further. There is so much brokenness. We thought we were wise. We thought we were creative. We, we boasted all these things. And now look, it's coming to nothing. It's coming to nothing in lawlessness. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began, before even of us with a thought. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches 
all things, even the deep things of God. That's what's so cool. Just imagine he's just going, he's seeking. And when you ask him now, it's like a fishing pole. Like when do you want to go for, like, if you want to get something, you have to send out your reel and the Holy spirit goes and he searches the deep things. He comes up. He's like, here, I've got something. I promise. Except this is, this is not a gimmick where you're like, there's there's no fish in this water. (laughs) There's deep fish. There's deep things. We search. It's so beautiful. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And that's why we need him. We can't get to our father. We can't know his thoughts without asking Holy Spirit. We need him. We need to ask him like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in today's age? What are you doing with these people in my life? What are you doing in my own heart? Where are you leading me? What am I supposed to do? What's my response? How do I do this? How do I walk in this? He's going to give it to you. You just need to ask him and then say, God, show me in your word because I know your word is perfect. And that's what we need to do. Go to your word. Stop asking your friends sometimes. Okay, I'm not saying you can't ask for friends, but please friends who are being asked, Tell them the same thing. Go to the word. Go to God in prayer. Go. I'm not saying I won't listen to you. I won't encourage you. I won't build you up. But I need you to hear the word. I need you to know how to read the word. Because Holy Spirit resides within you. You need to tap into that. Just like my friend, Daryl. I loved him. He would always say, if you have a problem, where are you going to go? Yeah, you could talk to me for a few weeks in counseling and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, yeah, I get it. But I could tell you to go to the perfect source, the God of all wisdom, search and ask, read your word, pray with him and seek after him. And what happens? All things were fine. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that astounding? No, it's not. But it's wonderful. Man, it's wonderful. You don't have to come with persuasive speech. I love this about our whole relationship with the people. Like we don't have to come with persuasive speech. We don't have to have a degree in excellence. I mean, like I'm not saying nothing against anything against degrees. I'm just saying we don't have to have those to come in the power of Christ. We're not, it's not a qualifier. All you have to do is share Christ and him crucified. And that has the power to change hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And third point, Holy Spirit gives us supernatural boldness or power and boldness. Sorry, power and boldness. I can put that up there. Sorry. I'm just going to read through this because to me, like when you read Acts, because like we talked about the disciples, we want to know what it looks like for the disciples. How did they operate? How was that successful? Like it's not because they were, It wasn't good circumstances. Let me tell you what to be a believer in Jesus. Okay. It wasn't convenient. Very not convenient. Was it convenient? What happened to Jesus? They killed him. And then he came back. Praise God. But that's the reality. They're walking in fear and the, not the threat of fear, the threat of death, the threat of persecution. They have no idea. They've never heard about, they don't know what's next. There is no, Hey, here's how you walk in the Holy spirit. Here's how you do everything. Holy Spirit was the one that gave them that understanding of how to walk in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that crazy? Oh, we have all these books and things, but man, these disciples had to figure it out firsthand through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man. So I'm just going to read this over to you guys. Um, I think I put this one up, but I don't think I put all of them up. I'm just going to read it over you, okay? 
So when the day of Pentecost came, I'm, I don't, let me just, I'm going to preview ahead. Okay, good. I didn't do it. Okay, good. <laughs> just double checking myself. I didn't do that. When the day of Pentecost came, this is Acts 2, 1 through 21. If you want to read it with me um, in your Bible, they all came together in one place. This is the disciples. They came. This is after Jesus is gone. This is after he promised them the Holy Spirit and he was taken up into heaven. And then suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now I'm going to pause here for a second because I was raised in a church where they talked about Holy Spirit like a dove. And I know only one time it's been mentioned as a dove and that was on Jesus. But on us, it's like fire because he's like, you don't get it. I need to I need to set you on fire a little bit. I need to put a light of fire under your butt a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Whatever the reason for Holy Spirit but coming as, a, as fire, I'm not sure. But I love that he did because he's consuming everything. Anyway, because the reason why I want to premise that is because I had a pastor say, oh, be careful. Don't, don't, don't scare Holy Spirit away. You know, like he said something in that light. I'm saying it sarcastically a little bit, but he was talking about Holy Spirit. Like he's this wimpy runaway kind of creature. And I'm like, no, Holy Spirit is in the embodiment of God. He's, he's fire. He's in us. And I never heard that before. And when I heard that, I'm like, well, that gives me actually a little bit of hope. Cause I thought I scared him off a lot of times. I'm like, I'm too stupid. <laughs> But he's so much, he stays with us. He burns within us. And when we ask him and we release him, he moves out of us. When this, and so that's what's wonderful. So I just want to premise that. So when he came, he came like fire. All of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. He didn't say some of them. He said all of them. This is something wonderful. This is not a pressure, but this is something I wish I would have understood with understanding I have now. Holy Spirit gave them tongues, their prayer language. They started praying in tongues. How crazy would that be? They've never heard of this before. This has never happened before. All of a sudden, everyone's doing something 100% new. No language that has never been said before is happening right now. They're speaking in tongues as the spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Imagine they heard it too. People around that area heard the rushing wind. They heard the praying in tongues. They're like, could you just imagine? I don't know how many disciples were in that room, but what a difference. What a shock that would have been in that neighborhood. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia. They're all hearing it. Oh, there's more. I'm not going to try saying this one. I'm going to skip that one too. Egypt, there's two other ones. Libya, Cyrene, there's so much. And visitors from Rome, they're all hearing it in their own language all at the same time. How scary would that be and shocking and familiar and like, kind of just draw wonderful because you're like well when you're also in a different country how relief have you who's been to a different country where no one's speaking your language 
when you find your language and you hear someone speak English, you're like, oh, you're my people. <laughs> you're thinking this. You're just like, and I always laugh whenever I find people in different places from different countries all in a group together. I'm like, and some of them probably don't even know each other. Just They're so so excited to find their people, all right? They're like, oh, thank God. They found my people. But this is what's so cool. It's so familiar. It's so strange. There's more. There's Cretans. There's Arabs. There's Jews. and uh, There's all of them. We're hearing them. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The wonders of God. What are the wonders? I want to know what those are. But that's what's so wonderful. They're like, what does this mean? They're hearing the wonders of God in their own tongues. They're amazed and perplexed, and they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And that's the skeptic in us all, right? Somebody had to say it, and someone had to be the skeptic. They're just drinking too much wine. They're a bunch of fools. That's what they're saying. Peter addressed the crowd. He stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet of Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love this. I love this. This is not boldness from Peter, okay? Because we've seen the boldness of Peter. This is Peter, Holy Spirit filled. This is cool. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David, David said this about him. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead and you will not let your Holy One see decay. He is going on and on. I I could keep reading through this, but it's so powerful. I want you to understand, this is not Peter being taught on how to do this. There's no class for him to go for this. He is speaking from Holy Spirit. This is Christ and Christ crucified. Man. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this. Exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, this is the power. This is the power of just speaking Jesus crucified. When people heard this in verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, be baptized each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And guess how many people were baptized? Not a hundred, not thousand, 3000 were added to their number that day. That is astounding. That is beautiful. That is Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with the awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Holy Spirit's uniting them together. He's bringing them together. They sold property and possessions and give to anyone in need. That every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is what God does. This is what he does when he brings people together. When you speak Holy Spirit and we ask for Holy Spirit to unite us, he does. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is what my heart longs for. That's what his heart longs for. Now, there's a boldness. I'm just reading through it. This is, I could ask you to encourage you to read through all of Acts. Just read through it. Read through it and understand God is moving in a new way. He gave these wild men, these uneducated people who people thought were fools. I'm sorry, but like if you see a sailor, you don't think of them as educated people. You don't think of these people, these people. You don't think of them as, wow, you're like top of the class. Like, wow, I will look up to you. No, they were considered fools, rejects. They were considered of no value. You're fishermen. That was not a good thing. That was not a good thing for them to be considered. It was not a nice anecdote. Um, But here's the thing. They were so emboldened by the Holy Spirit to keep going and to share the gospel. I'm going to read just little parts here of Acts 4. They They were greatly disturbed. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees were disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John because it was evening, and they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So even when they're in jail, the Holy Spirit's moving. How awesome is that? Sometimes we're worried about what will happen if we step out in boldness, step out and trust the Holy Spirit. Like, man, this seems like a failure. They're in jail. No, God's still moving. Many heard their message, and so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So when you put them in jail, the numbers keep growing. How crazy is that? You can't shut them up. Even when you try shutting up, the Holy Spirit's still moving. Because they're passing it on, they're giving him the power. Each one of us, that's the thing. It's not about the disciples. It's about Holy Spirit. He unites them. He moves through all of them. The people who are being empowered by the Holy Spirit and learning from them are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit now. This is what's beautiful. 
I love this. They're so scared. These leaders, these people who all were feared before are now afraid. They're afraid. They don't know what to do with these guys. They had Peter and John brought before them and begin to question them. What power or what name did you do this? Like, cause he, they healed somebody. Heaven to Betsy, you healed somebody. Um, Peter filled with the Holy spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are ca- being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. And then he goes on and he preaches at them. He's talking about Christ crucified. He's talking about Christ who was the stone that the builders rejected. He has become the cornerstone. He is preaching to them. Salvation is found no one else and no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to which mankind by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed staying there, they, there was nothing for them to say. They couldn't say anything. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. They said, what are we going to do with these men? This is in verse 16. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. We can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And of course they said that they, they tell them like, imagine them like, okay, you can't, you, you can go, but don't talk about Jesus. Peter and John replied, which is a writing, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. That's sassy right there. (laughs) You be the judges. As for us, here's the reality of Holy Spirit. When you invite Holy Spirit to give you a hunger, when you invite Holy Spirit to burn within you, you say, God, I can't, I rely on you too little. I need Holy Spirit. For us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Are we that way? I want to be that way. But that's not because we are doing it because we're saying, I want to I wanna make myself hunger and thirst. It's like, no, God, the reality is I am hungry. I am thirsty. Holy Spirit, I want you. I want to be burning with you. I want to move with you. Man. And when people heard that, this, this is what's wonderful. You just need to read the whole thing. It's just so good. I, I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to read chapter four. Read Acts. Just read it all. That's your assignment this week. Read Acts. Be encouraged. Learn about Holy Spirit more. Because we need to see these people. We, the people we idolize aren't people that are better than us. They're not. They're same, broken, goofball, weird, quirky, unabashed fools for the Lord. They love Jesus. They did it. They trusted him. They asked for Holy Spirit. They walk in Holy Spirit. That's what makes them amazing is who is in them. We need that for us. We need to stop saying, I'm not enough. I don't have this, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of like hate speech on our own selves that we say over ourselves. Dumb. I mean, even me, I'm saying right now, I'm dumb. This, that, and the other. I'm, I, I'm downing on myself. I'm like, no, but who is in me? Who is in me? Who is this? Who is in the living, this, this, this wonderful being that God bestowed his Holy Spirit in me? Man, read Acts. I'm going to finish with these last few passages. I love this. We must obey God rather than human beings. That's a hard one right there. Because how do you do that and walk in the government? How do you do that and walk in honor? How do you do this? How do you do this? 
Holy Spirit, ask him. He'll show you. Day after day, I love this. They went. They never stopped teaching. They never stopped proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They never stopped. How often we get tired. We don't get tired because... We get tired because we stop relying. We get tired because we stop trusting. We get, I mean, he gives us the energy. He says, I renew your energy. I renew your strength. I need your strength, God. We need him. First Peter 4.11. If anyone speaks, this is how we should do it. As one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. We don't do it with our own persuasive speech. We do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 5-21. Uh, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. Now the one who fashioned Penny for this very purpose is God. He purposed you for a purpose. He has a purpose for you who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come, guaranteeing it. His guarantees, his promises are yes and amen. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident. I say, I would rather, I prefer to be rather away from the body at home with the Lord. I'd rather be with him. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. This is just a crazy, this is, this is all wild. Like to be at home with the Lord, to be in his presence, to be in his presence. I want to be engaged with his thoughts for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, for the whole things done while in the body, whether good or bad, we will get this. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Man, do we? <laughs> Lord, help us to fear you. We try to persuade others. What, are we, what we are is plain to God, and hope. I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you, again, but we are giving, giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. We are out of our minds through the Holy Spirit. We are out of our minds. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. We've talked about this passage so many times that I cannot get over it. We, therefore, we've all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. We are no longer alive. We are no longer our own. We are his but for him who died for them and was raised again. So that from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God. This is why we speak. We, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We've talked about that passage. He's given us the gift, the wonderful ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled to the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I'm going to skip to verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, 
we might become the righteousness of God. Man, we want to be his ambassadors. We want to speak the truth, but we don't do this with our own power. But it is wonderful. Do you see what is possible when we invite Holy Spirit to fill us and use us? So much more. And I think so much more than we're seeing right now. I want to see more. I say, yes, the Lord, this is great. But what more? What more do you have in store for us? What more do you have in store for me to partake in anything? Like, Lord, how do I skip out on your glory? Totally miss it because I'm so busy, busy and preoccupied by my own schedule, my own timing. Holy Spirit, interrupt my day. Holy Spirit, come to mind. Holy Spirit, I need you wherever I'm going, whether I'm going to the zoo or whether I'm going anywhere. I just, I'm reminding myself, Lord, I need to be present and be reminded of you. I, we've, this is an easy case. When we get out of this building, when we, the, the message starts ebbing away from our mind and we're going on, we're moving on to our workplaces, I want us there for Holy Spirit to start coming to mind more. For when we're at home, when we're like we're preoccupied by other things, like, Lord, invade my day. Holy Spirit, help me to walk in the knowledge of you. Help me to walk in the boldness of you, to pray bold things. Even if I can't talk with people, help me to pray boldly before you're thrown about things that are bold, that are audacious. So I just want to ask you, I don't know where you guys are today. I, where do you find yourselves? Do you, have you experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have we all? Man, that's good. I just, I just say, if not, what has held you back? Because my heart's desire is like, I want to surrender to him. Like, again, like, even if it's like, I'm mostly in love with the Lord. I'm, I'm mostly experiencing the power, but I, kind of, I miss it. I miss operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we need to pray for a heart of surrender to say, Lord, I, maybe I've been holding back. Maybe I've been too confident in my own skills. Maybe I've been too preoccupied by life circumstances how can I surrender to Holy Spirit today and say, God, help me to move in power. Help to move in power in me. Help me to speak boldly. Help me to come in alignment. Help me to be reconciliation. Help me to be ambassador for Christ wherever I go. Not my thoughts, your thoughts. Your ways are higher, like we talked about. That was such a good passage. His ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts better than our thoughts. Let's die to our thoughts. Let's say, God, move in me. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Help me to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 